Hi, everyone. Today, me and Tete are going to be talking about writing and escapism. This is a topic that we've been thinking about for a very long time, especially since we met in September 2022 in real life for the first time. For the longest time, both of us have used our characters and stories as escapism. While this is not necessarily a bad thing, we probably went a bit overboard to the point that daydreaming about our characters and stories became the highlight of our day. This made it hard for us to be present in our surroundings and think about real life and also plan to improve our lives. So in this episode, we're going to explore how Tete stopped using writing as escapism and how the 2022 Yale Playwriting Contest helped her back in August 2022. Yes, um, this had this had been an unexpected cataclyst and, and such a necessary cataclyst it, it became. Yes, right. So the first question we'll ask is, how was writing a form of escapism for you? How about art? What were your experiences with art and writing as escapism, especially on websites like DeviantArt and Tapas? I think for, for a long time, especially when the pandemic emerged, things began to get very bleak in my real life. I felt uh, trapped in an endless cycle and the whole world around me just seemed more mundane and bleak. And the only source of solace or consolation I could find was to escape in worlds and characters and their stories and their adventures, quote unquote, if you will, through writing and art. And it provided the greatest uh, comfort to me as well. Um, but unfortunately, it became escapism because I began to lose my sense of self. And the only highlight I had of my day after working my jobs, and of course, in that time, I had been in um, I had been in food service as a um, as a barista at uh, Dunkin' Donuts, and um, I was at a very low point in my life. Although I enjoyed the camaraderie of my evening shift members, um, just to work in food service is very grueling and people's attitudes especially escalated in violence and anti-socialism during the pandemic so i retreated further and further into the escapism and i was even especially uh, in, entrenched in certain stories that were very far removed from reality because i began to hate reality around me and unfortunately, writing and art became forms of escapism, a very unhealthy kind of escapism in which I did not want to accept the positives of the reality around me, nor did I realize I could take charge and attempt to change that reality into something better. I was just content to slog away at work, bone, bone tired, and then maybe try to write or daydream about it. I did not, ironically, my writing uh, fell down by the wayside. I wasn't writing as much. It was mostly daydreaming and then making, uh, you know, art of, you know, a scene I wanted to see play out, you know, and it was very self-serving. And that's another problem. Escapism is self-serving because you're not, you're not creating this for the sake of getting the stories and the characters out there you're mostly doing it for your own satisfaction. You put it online like DeviantArt or Tapas, you get 
maybe one to five people at most loyally commenting on it. And that's after your hard efforts. And you're only doing it because you would like to see some comments. It's a pat on the back, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Right. And one of the biggest places for this sort of thing to happen was a, a group on DeviantArt called OC Training, correct? Yes, yes, it was. I, I think with OC Training, there was quite a bit of benefit to it. It gave a structure to do different art assignments, which prompted me to explore and do things with my characters. And it was a it was a wonderful time for art, but not for writing. And I believe the further I got into it, the more it became like um, the more it became escapism. I was looking forward to the only highlight in my dreary, dreary life. You know, just after all the food service crap and being so tired and understaffed and working with crazy, crazy conditions for minimum wage, I um, my my only highlight would be to come home, hopefully have enough energy and my hands wouldn't cramp too bad, and you know, draw something. You know, draw the assignment and color it, and then you know, get all these you know cool comments. And that just became the highlight of my life. And I began to think I was actually producing something. But in reality, I was just self-serving a narcotic distraction. And unfortunately, this is what escapism is. It is a uh, narcotic distraction because the idea is that you're fixating on this almost maladaptive daydreaming that it is truly, uh, it has an opiate effect. It, it is a narcotic, you know, as I've said. How about tapas? Did you think that you know leaving deviant art and going to tapas helped you deal with escapism, or was another form of escapism? I think tapas created a sense of discipline in literature. It prompted me to write. It prompted me to have a schedule. It prompted me to have a descriptive format for episodes or you know chapters, if you will. So I think in many ways, just as OC training helped me with a more structured approach to my art. I think TAP has helped with a structured approach to writing, uh, if you will, for an audience. And I, I sort of liked it. It made me feel like I was hosting an old radio show. And I almost wanted to stay, you know, stay tuned to this station for another episode next week, what will happen? And um, I enjoyed that. However, I began to feel dissatisfied with Tapas because I felt the audience and the general demand of tapas as good, as great as it is, did not fit what I was writing and what I wanted to aim for. And because of the demands, I was writing faster and I wasn't really thinking about the characters per se. I just wanted to delve more into my own escapism. And I felt goaded on by many people commenting because you know, everybody was enjoying the, the banter, the romance and the flirting and all that. And I felt, well, I, I should do this. This is, this is fun. This is, um, everybody likes this, so I will do this. But in reality, it was a great disservice and almost a blatant disrespect to the gravity of the situation of the characters, namely, uh, you know, Andrei Danilovich Novoshkinov and uh, Tamara Gyegorevna, um, so uh, you know it it was um it was a, it was a grave disrespect to those two characters right 
And how did um, the Yale playwriting competition for 2022 help you break away from this pattern? Well, it it began, remember when you first introduced me to it, we had just gone kind of off the heels of writing for the uh, London play competition, the London playwright competition. And this was the first time I ever adapted any of my <clears throat> writing into a play format. Previously, we we weren't, we were not totally unfamiliar to this format. You know, you and I are sort of veterans of the, you know, well-documented role play, which borders on kind of like a great serial, if you will, or a, a, a drama series, if you will. So we were no strangers to this format per se. And uh, I felt like the London piece was uh, pretty, pretty perfect. I didn't feel like it could be improved. And it was basically just taken out of the chapters of, of the book and adapted to play format. But then I started to get into it and I, I wanted to give up. There was so much challenge. I was very tired at that point. It was uh, the peak season. Um, I, um, I was now in my current job, which is in retail, which is uh, very grueling out there. So everyone out there, please be considerate to people in retail. We are pushed to our maximum limit, to our human limit. So please do not yell at us and scream at us and all that. Um, but, and I, I began to also have, uh, this is when my health problems that, um, were hitting the hardest and all these culminating I felt tired and exhausted and I didn't want to do it. I thought, oh, this is just a crapshoot in the dark. I have no chance of it. What's the purpose? You know, will anyone notice it or read it? But then I decided to push through it. There was, um, you really encouraged me. You kept urging me to keep doing it. And then I gave up and then I thought, you know what? I, I think I could improve on this. I'm looking at this and I, I could change this. Uh, this uh, scene doesn't make sense. Um, and then I began to work more and more on it. And before I knew it, I was writing furiously with, you know, almost a uh, frantic, frantic pace. And um, there was such a fervor and passion involved in the creation of adapting that. And that is the, that is what led to the catalyst of really altering the novel and learning, learning deeper about the characters and their struggles and respecting the gravity of their situation, especially with um, Andre um, struggles with PTSD after um, not only World War One but the Russian Civil War. And Tamara has to contend with her own derivative of PTSD um, because of her various um, experiences, including those of a very graphic traumatic nature. So, and of course, against you know all the struggles of the upheavals of the Russian Revolution and the Soviet Union being established, the social chaos, if you will, um, it, it lent me such a great gravity of understanding to that. It's like you can know the history, but you have to understand how it affects people, how it really whittles down people right down to the marrow of their bones. And um, it, it gave me, it, it, I, I think the I want to owe credit to the Yale drama series for opening up this new zest in my creativity, but also a catalyst in improving my work ethic and my approach to literature and characters. Mm -hmm. 
right? Because shortly after we finished this, we met each other in real life. And I think that was when we started questioning a lot of things about escapism and refining our approach to our characters and writing. Yes, we did. We certainly, I think this was one of the most profound experiences of our life that <laughs> we had met one another. It, it, it truly changed so much. That was, I think, the, the catalyst of my life. And it made me question about escapism and it made me realize, I guess to quote that aha song, take, um, um, take on me, take me on, uh, where it says, um, suddenly realizing life is okay, um, you, you realize that life is not so bad, that there are good positives among all the slew of negativity and it's up to our willpower and this initiative that we have in our human nature, that inner fire, you know, to make reality better, to find happiness and, and the happiness of just experiencing things, of, of being with a friend, of experiencing uh, a trip or experiencing doing something. And that what we experienced made me realize that. And it also made me have a whole new approach to literature, to write about real life, I thought I was, but instead I was just forming these ideas and concepts that were narcotic to me, you know, like flirting, romance, you know, me kind of vicariously living through my characters, if you will. But now I got to enjoy real life and I got to appreciate kind of the raw vulnerability and, and frailty of humanity, as, uh, um, but the resilience of humanity as well. And it made me want to, uh, now that I understood it, I knew how to depict it in literature. And I think um, the Yale drama series was the impetuous of that catalyst. And I think our meeting was, if, if you will, the, the final birth, the final birth pang of that coming to manifest. Right. And this is why you've, you know, you've really dedicated yourself to writing more about your character, Andre, you know, in his novel, 70 Fierce Years. Yes, I have. And I am actually taking entire chapters and cutting them out and rewriting them, like removing what was previously there and just entirely rewriting them all over again, cutting out entire scenes, um, chapters, cutting these out, rewriting them. Um, adding more to his past and, and different things. And um, it, it made me gain such a new enlightenment about Andre himself. It's like, it's one thing to know some aspects of him, but now I understand all the aspects of Andre, the, the good, the bad, the ugly, the dark, the light, the gray in between, um, as well as more insight in his life, but also a graver, um, respect and reverence for his own struggles and trying to depict that as accurately and respectfully, you know, as I, as I possibly can with my ability in the medium. Mm -hmm, absolutely. I think, you know, this, the, the submission for the Yale drama series that you did about Andre, it really helped to refine the dialogue too, and also kind of 
just you know make you realize that you know before I think you said that you were living vicariously through the romance scenes too much and you know to the detriment of the rest of the work because you were ignoring the other parts of Andre and his story just you know kind of zooming in on the romance all the time exactly exactly I was it was to the detriment of the novel itself I only focused on the witty romantic banter and the flirting and I I guess to a degree the the lovemaking if you will um, through the characters and it was to the detriment of actually their own characterization because I was only focusing on that I didn't respect the holistic uh, wholeness of if you will of the characters and their lives and, and also treating them as people not just character figures and even though I've always stressed that in our previous podcasts I never really understood that I never I didn't truly live it until now until I learned to respect all aspects of the characters not just the things I wanted to see or depict it, it's a bit like being a really honest biographer you have to get in all the mm -hmm. ugly details as well because it's just part of humanity and um you know, also, I, I think it also altered the uh, approach, the development and the relationship between these two characters before it was just an instant, you know, flirty, witty banter and romance and whatnot. And it it was just so disrespectful in a way to me, but also insanely inaccurate. And after all this, I, I realized, like I said, the gravity of their situations on their mental and emotional psyches um as well as the social upheavals and social consequences of the time that they were living in and the positions they're in you know for example andre is a former don cossack officer who was fighting uh not only with the white army but with the don nationalist uh, movement um so he's basically a counter-revolutionary and then you know you have tamara who is um you know, a courtesan or a prostitute, which is, you know, basically very much uh, scorned and outlawed in Soviet Union, actually a lot harder than in Tsarist times, because in Tsarist time it was sort of legislated, disapproved, but legislated. But in, in Soviet Union, there is a there is a harsher aggression to uh, stamp out, you know, this capitalist, quote unquote, trade. Mm -hmm, right. So now you are more driven than ever to write Andre's story and get it out there, right? I am. I am. I have been feverishly working on it. Um, even today, I was trying to do some minor editing, um, despite um, a number of uh, obligations I had to attend to. Um, but I am more driven now than ever, and I want to really explore the wholeness of Andre's life, um, including some of his struggles that he's had with forming relationships and some of his anger issues that have um, created in him a sense of panic and self-terror and and how he has to you know combat his anger issues um, which are compounded by his PTSD and everything so um, and and then of course exploring more you know with Tamara herself and uh, even exploring some um, the theoretical situations I, I guess for lack of a better word I guess to use uh, the slang out there, a <laughs> couple of AUs out there. Yes, alternative universes. Yes, alternative universes. And um, I'm driven now, and uh, I even want to have a different approach. I recently sort of had a breakthrough where 
I, I, I drew at least Andre um, more, more realistically and respectfully than I had done in a very long time. Mm -hmm. Right. I can't wait to see more of these developments. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for encouraging me to take, to enter in the Yale drama series. And I do want to thank um, Yale University for providing this opportunity to the public to enter. And uh, I certainly wish everyone the best who has entered this competition. And again, many thanks to Yale for making this possible, for making it accessible to the public. And um, many thanks to Yale and its wonderful, you know, relentless work in, you know, promoting not only creativity, but, you know, the value of artistry and what that means for the humanities. So I'm, I'm very grateful for this opportunity. Mm -hmm. Me too. You know, I submitted something too. So that was really fun. Yes, it was. It, I mean, you created a fantastic, fantastic work and, I'm hoping that both of our plays will uh, be reviewed and uh, I mean, at, at least catch the attention, hopefully. And um, this, this has been a life-changing cataclystic event. This has been a sort of a road to Damascus event, if you will. It has. All right, thank you so much for this. You know, this is only the first in many episodes about writing and escapism. I will be talking more about my own experiences with writing and escapism with Tete, as well as you know the other co-host of this podcast, Helleborn, who has also a lot of things to say about writing and escapism. Exactly. I anticipate seeing these and participating in them, and hopefully this will help many writers out there who are struggling with the same uh challenge as well. Yes. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you.